Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Squiggly Craze podcast. I'm Helen Tupper. And I'm Sarah Ellis. And we're the host of the podcast, and this week we have a special episode for you. We're always here every week talking about the ups, downs, and ins and outs of squiggly careers. But today you are going to hear our live You Coach You book launch event that we did where we brought lots of different people, four different people actually, to Manchester and to London to share with us some of their insights, some of their wisdom connected to the chapters of our brand new book. And so like all of you listening, I actually wasn't at the London event because I got COVID the day before our book launched. So that was a stressful week. I'm absolutely fine now, but it does mean that I missed out on the conversation, which is another good reason for recording them so that we can (laughs) share them with everyone because I'll get the opportunity to hear from Adrienne and James, who we'll introduce as we go through the podcast. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from them because I couldn't be part of it on the evening either. And thank you to everybody who did come along because we really appreciated having your support there. And it was so nice to see some people in person for the first time in a long time. So the way that we've structured this is we have taken each of the chapters of the book. So you've got a chapter on resilience, on time, on self-belief, on relationships, on progression and on purpose. And then we've got a clip of each of our guests talking about their experiences and their insights related to each of those chapters. That does mean that we really weren't able to include the entire conversation because it would be about a two hour long podcast. (laughs) But what we have done is put some extensive ended edits so there's a London edit and there's a Manchester edit which I feel sounds quite cool Sarah <laughs> the London edit and the Manchester Just, edit does it? Just, I don't know maybe or maybe it's know. cool for us I think yeah cool <laughs> for us anyway those if you do want to hear more from Adrian uh, more from James more from Lee more from Drew you'll be able to go and listen to those extended edits on our website we'll put all the links for those in the show note for you So first, you're going to hear me talking to Lee Chambers, who's a psychologist and wellbeing consultant, and he's going to talk about resilience and how he actually lost the ability to walk and how he found his way through that very knotty moment, not really in his career, but in his life. It's always worth reminding ourselves, I think, that however shiny someone looks on the surface, I promise you, no one has a straight line to success. Everybody has knotty moments. Everyone has these really tough times. So we're actually going to ask you to be uh, to tell us some tough stuff as, the, as our way to get to know you both. So maybe share something that has felt quite knotty for you, Lee, so far in your career, but also what helped you to be resilient during that time? 
Yeah, so I think a big one for me was losing the ability to walk. And at the time I was running a European video game company. So I was here, there and everywhere running at 100 miles an hour. And then suddenly I literally stopped. And a big thing for me in that period was it was very challenging. I had two young children at the time and I had to really start to think about the small things. I had a lot of time to reflect. And I suppose what that really did for me in a lot of ways was give me the space to actually see that every step I took on that year to recover was a small win. The lampposts became like big trophies. <laughs> and a lot of those elements around resilience, I actually had to find ways to not suppress my emotions because I did feel, you know, some despair, some grief for losing the ability to walk. But I found ways to express that. And I actually realised that resilience was quite creative a way to actually express myself to other people, to talk and to share and to ask for help, which sometimes as a young man who wanted to take on the world and do everything, it was quite an eye-opening experience that so many people are there to support you. And as I got back onto my feet, it actually caused me to squiggle in a big way. I went back into what I originally studied. And after 12 years of studying and completing a degree, I actually then went back in and started that career and sometimes the resilience from the journey, from the twists and the turns, from the times where you redirect and sidestep, actually really offer you a way to stop, to pause, and to see where you want to push and progress for the next bit of momentum that you generate. And for me, obviously, that was quite a knotty time. Mm -hmm. And I suppose as I undid that knot, I actually found a lot of little lessons and little treasures, things about me that I didn't know, that as I unpicked that knot, I actually started to see that there's probably more I could do. And it really started to help me see how I could take on a different journey, really thinking and taking my kids by my side. So Lee's story was so inspiring. And I do hope you kind of listened to that extended edit with him in Manchester, because there's so much wisdom that he was sharing um, with us. Next, you're going to hear from me talking to Adrian Herbert. Adrian is the host of Power Hour podcast and also the book Power Hour as well. And so she felt like a very appropriate person to talk to about time. So this is what she had to say about how we can reclaim time for ourselves. So one of the other chapters is around time, and I thought it would be brilliant as a host of the Power Hour podcast, as author of the book about Power Hour. Who should, else should we talk to you about time but Adrian? So the reason we put time in the book as a chapter was because conversations about, you know, feeling like my time is well spent, or how do I find work-life fit, or feeling like I'm overwhelmed, we often have people come to us for help in that space. Why do you think it's a challenge for people, and what have you learned through the conversations that you've had in the work that you do that can help people with their time? Yeah, I think time is, well, it's a resource that I think at the moment we've never been more time poor. I think most people, from the moment they open their eyes in the morning until they go to bed, until they go back to sleep, there are so many demands on our time now, and our attention, our energy, I think the ability to actually focus on one thing and to kind of, you know, I talk about reclaiming your time, and that's what, you know, the whole concept of the Power Hour, I say to people, reclaim some of your time before you give all of that time, energy, focus, whatever, to everything and everyone else, because there will always be things there to distract you and to pull you away from it. And so it's quite interesting when we think about time and saying, okay, time management or productivity, or it's not about cramming every minute of every day, every hour has to be useful or productive or used well, time well spent, you know, what does that really mean? when we think about time well spent or, you know, the idea, actually, you can't manage time. You can't get more of it. We can't 
buy it, we can't get a refund, we can't get more time back. Like it is a finite resource and just accepting that as well can be quite, I don't know, if you think about it in a different way and think, okay, if you're doing something that is fulfilling, you know, using your time in service of others, it's not always a way of measure. What's the output? You know, and I think that's what we've kind of become quite used to is measuring our output of how we use our time, how we spend our time and trying to kind of basically squeeze more out of it, which isn't always possible. So yeah, I think when it comes to how people can start to think about that and what they can do with that is really just doing honest assessment and looking and saying, okay, what are the things that I spend a lot of time on that I enjoy, that energize me, that give me more energy than they take? And what are the things that I feel are a drain on my time or they're an obligation or a commitment? Or, you know, when you feel, if you do feel like your time poor, why? Where's it being spent? So really kind of assessing it and being quite honest and saying, you know, it's not selfish or self-indulgent to reclaim time and say, I'm going to spend the first hour or whatever hour or whatever day doing something for me. It is absolutely necessary. We cannot give all of our time away. And, you know, free time has become availability. Maybe it's just free time that it needs to be ring-fenced and, and kept. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I hope that answers the yeah, question. Yeah, no, it does. I'm going to come back at you a little bit, a little bit on power out to just really get into that to make it as actionable as possible for people. Um, in, in the book, actually, we talk about um, time trade-offs and trade-ups that... To your point around finite time, you can't just keep adding stuff in. Like, it's fine to want to achieve stuff, but you have to sometimes make trade-offs in terms of what you're choosing to spend your time on so that you can focus on the things that are important to you. And they're not necessarily, like, long-term commitments. They're just right here, right now. You need to make some choices. We've got to make hard choices. So maybe just talk to us a little bit about the power hour, how people can make that work for them as a concept with their time. Sure. So as I mentioned, it's about reclaiming time. So for me, it is the first hour of the day because for me, as someone who's an extrovert, someone who's easily distracted, someone who loves to talk, that's the only time in my day when I can actually find solitude because my son is still asleep, and yeah, no one's sending me emails or Slack messages or whatever. So I can use that first hour to do whatever I want. I could go for a run, I could listen to a podcast, I can stretch, I can write, I can do whatever. You could literally make a tea and do nothing. And it seems quite counter of like you're getting up early to do nothing. But again, if that's something that you need, white space to enjoy, then that's what the power hour is in its simplest form, is, you know, take that first hour. But if people want to think about, again... Why should I do it? How to start? It's like, what are the things that you constantly say, I don't have time for that? Like, I wish I could read more books, but I don't have time. Or, I wish I could, you know, get into running. I don't have time. Or the kids and work. And there's all these things. And you won't have more time. You know, we all think that, don't we? You know, oh, I'm really full at the moment, but I'll loop back to you next Thursday. There'll be more time, you know, in like two months or next year. And that's for so many people. You know, I say in the book, tomorrow stays tomorrow for so many people. When the kids are older, when I've got more money, when I've lost more weight, when I have more time, we're kidding ourselves. So I really want to kind of, you know, use the word power because it's actually quite empowering as well to say, I deserve to start my day with something that is, for me, it's going to fill me up. It's going to energize me. It's a priority. So anything that's a priority shouldn't be at the bottom of your list. You've done everything else in the day, the work, the kids, everything. And then whatever's left of you, like, oh, if I have time, I'll do that thing. Put yourself at the top of your priority list.
So the other guest that joined me when I didn't have Sarah on stage with me in London (laughs) was James Rutledge. And James is the founder of an amazing organisation called Sanctus, which is all about changing the conversation around mental health and giving people the skills to support themselves with their mental health too. And he talked about where he got his self-belief from. So self-belief is one of the chapters in the book. And James, he's so grounded and he's gone through so much change in his career, actually, businesses that have succeeded and also a business that didn't succeed and so this is his insights on where he gets his self-belief from. James I just want to talk to you a little bit about self-belief because I, I look at you in your career and I see some of the amazing things that you've achieved like how you scaled Sanctus, the fact that you started a business at university when you were you know right at that point. I sense that you've got a high level of self-belief so I'd love to explore that a little bit because it may be like oh, actually Helen. So I sense that you have and I'm just intrigued about where it comes from. How do you not have limiting beliefs that hold you back? As soon as you said the word, I started thinking about my mum and dad, thinking about the privilege I've had, I suppose, and just being told from an early age that I can kind of do anything I, I want. And I think I've kind of always felt like that, really. Not that I've ever, like, done everything I've ever wanted, but I've always felt capable, I think, which I feel really lucky to say. Yeah, but then other than that, I mean, I think it's a bit of a... Um, like a knife edge, because on the other side of a high amount of self-belief, there's also a high amount of doubt at times. Like I can still be a really harsh critic of myself. I can set myself really high standards or be really, really hard on myself. So I think I've had a great privilege to be given a massive platform to go on and, and, and try stuff and take risks. I've got like a weird relationship with risk, really. I just, you know, I'm not happy to kind of give anything a go, really. I don't really mind failing my first business at uni for example yeah it was great to give it a go but it was a, it was a failure it was a flat out failure in terms of a business but I just kind of followed my instinct with it really and I feel really lucky to say that I think that you know that is a real privilege to say that but yeah I've kind of always just felt like I could and why not give it a go and if it doesn't work then what's the worst that can happen which is a, a sentence I often say to myself in my head okay that's quite interesting actually about that sentence and that mantra so we often talk about this like duality between your inner critic and your inner coach and what we really want to do is like turn down the volume on the inner critic and turn up the volume on the inner coach so why in the book there's like there's like a hundred coach yourself questions that like in the moment that your inner critic starts to turn the volume up you can ask yourself a coach yourself question to you know turn the volume up on the inner coach so you said there for example when maybe the doubt might show up that inner critic pops out you will say like what's the worst that can happen in that situation yeah and and I think what I've learned to do there is also value the inner critic and really listen to that voice and and rather than reject it because I think it's really easy to maybe there's a part of you that's scared right you're about to make a new career move or change jobs or apply for a new job or start a business and there'll be part of you that's anxious and scared and I think I used to try and like really cut that side of me off and wouldn't talk about my emotions I wouldn't be vulnerable I wouldn't share how I felt and then I think over time I've learned to kind of bring that part of me in and and find spaces where that part of me that small scared tired little boy give him room to talk and that can then resolve and you can feel more confident and able to move uh, to move forward here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And now we're going to hear back from Adrian one more time about the community she has built around her career, because relationships is one of the things that we talk about and focus on in You Coach You. And she's got a great community that we could all learn from how she's developed that. How consciously have you built that community around your career? God, that's a great question, because I definitely don't think at the start that it was a conscious choice. Probably now in reflection, I know how important it is. Um, and it's interesting when you mentioned about your parents and I guess that feeling of them instilling in you that you could do anything and try anything and then being happy to fail because I think mine was probably really the opposite of that actually and just thinking I think I definitely felt as a young child quite independent but in a way that was like well actually there's no one really to do it if, except you and you can kind of go well actually also we mentioned as well around doubt and self-doubt and sometimes I think is your doubt self-doubt or is it someone else's doubt within you you know for example a teacher or a parent no seriously because it can be that you're like actually that person may have doubted you and not think that you can necessarily achieve and again we're going we're going right in there but you know back at school I don't think any of my teachers probably thought that I could read a book let alone write a book and for me and my siblings there was just there wasn't this expectation of us to achieve to achieve anything and we all have we all high achievers or and it's interesting that that idea of self-doubt sometimes it's other people's doubt and you can go actually you've underestimated me and that can be quite motivating to you know we can have a bit of a chip on our shoulder maybe and think oh I'm going to show you but actually I think it can be regardless of whether it's a good or a bad you know I said I'm optimist you can really channel that and so the question about network is that maybe because I didn't necessarily have that, I've always really, really valued friendships. I've always valued, um, as I said, I'm an extrovert. I value conversation. I ask a lot of questions. I'm curious. And so it's probably partly my personality anyway. But I think having other people, creating my own family, creating my own network of friends or people that I can, I guess, lean on for support or people who I can ask for advice or people who I can... Uh, yeah, champion them and lift them up and say, you know what, you're fantastic, you should go for that. I'm the ultimate encourager. I will be the one to tell 
you. You should do it. You should start a business. You should start writing a book. You're fantastic. You should go for it. And so in turn, people get that energy and then they're like, actually, Adrienne, you're right. I can do it. And you're great. And I'm like, I know. It's just like, it's this idea of like hyping each other up to the point where that network becomes so powerful that you're like, I can introduce you to that person. Oh, I know this person. I'm going to email them now. And you become like a connector. <laughs> So, yeah, building your own network is really powerful. And if you don't have one or if you don't feel like you have yeah, a career coach or, or people in your support, you can go out and find those people and create it later on. And so now you're going to hear Helen talk to Drew Povey. Some of you might know Drew if you watched Educating Manchester. And Drew talks a bit about progression and how he has developed in so many different directions in his career and how he made choices and thought about his squiggle and where his squiggle could take him. And then we go into talking to both Drew and Lee about purpose, about what purpose means to them in their career and how they really have connected all the dots together to have a career and to spend their time doing work that feels really purposeful and meaningful for them. What has connected those different careers that you've gone through? It's a, it's a really good question, one of which it was only when we've been talking about it, I've probably reflected on it, loads of different careers. To me, it doesn't seem like that. So it might do, you know, head teacher, teacher, working in sport, doing a lot of leadership, coaching, keynote speaking, uh, helping shape organisational culture, loads of different things and some weird ones like I was a doorman. I didn't know that. Mm. I know, yeah. I think what, how it, a lot of it came about was, you know, we've all seen the graph, haven't we? And I love the squiggly term as well, because you, you've got like performance over time. Success is not linear. You know, it was ridiculous. One of the things I really disagreed with in schools about 10 years ago was, you know, these flight paths of progression for kids. Who learns like that? Life's not like that, is it? It's not linear. I think it was the fact that I always wanted to kind of help people develop. That's why I got into coaching very, very early, sports coaching, uh, way before education, and then started to work in elite sport. It was about helping those athletes develop, and then it went into teaching, because at the end of it, I thought, well, I need a backup for sport, and I ended up becoming... I was My degree was in PE, sports science, theology, philosophy, and RE all rolled into one, which is good for being a rugby playing monk Unique. or whatever, unique, yeah. <laughs> Only me in the world that's got a degree like that. Um, but So I ended up becoming an RE teacher, P was full. And again, for me, it didn't seem bizarre. You know, I'm doing sport, that's helping people develop. Well, I'll be a teacher and that'll be helping people develop. And then I'll write some leadership stuff because I think that'll help people develop and I'll coach people because that'll help people develop and I'll, I'll do some keynotes because that... So for me, it, was, it, it, it seemed to make sense. It was only when you were looking at me going, what exactly the hell do you do, man? Like, <laughs> when we've had our conversation, I was going, well, it just makes sense to me. So I think that's probably what I'd say. It, it makes sense to me, but it was all by accident, not design. It just seems, things seem to feel right because of this skill set that I thought I had at the time. And it's almost like it's become very purposeful for you now to do different things that can help people develop yeah everything's about that so our business is not run you know commercially and there has to be a commercial side we don't choose our work based on that we work with the police we work with greater manchester cancer uh, the christie i'm on with them thursday we do work in elite sport we're in the welsh rugby union tomorrow hull kr rugby league team you know working in football but we choose the work based on impact can we help those people develop we do it regardless of the money if we can't help them develop, then we'll probably not do that because it's not in our 
skill set and I know, you know where that is and where it's not. So Lee, just continuing on the purpose um, and the final chapter in the book is all about purpose. What does that mean for you when you're thinking about having a purposeful career or having a meaningful career or whatever word really works for you? What does that mean for you? What's your starting point? Well, the starting point is never going to someone on Instagram who says, I'll help you find your purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Because we all know deep down that we kind of uncover it little by little, chiseling away, gradually starting to get a little bit more of a vision of what we are underneath the skin. And the starting point for me was always to reflect back on the journey that I've been on, to look at the things that I enjoyed and drill a bit deeper into why but then also to flip that, the things I didn't enjoy in the workplace, the people I didn't enjoy working with, and really starting to dig a little bit deeper into why I didn't enjoy that scenario, why I didn't enjoy working in that position, why I didn't enjoy that atmosphere. And what I gradually found by asking myself those questions, it was really started to become more clear. There was an underlying thread across all the different careers that I'd had whether I was working in corporate finance, elite sport, local government, video games, psychology, there was always an underlying thread, very similar to Drew's. I got a lot of fulfillment from empowering and enabling others to do more than they were currently doing. And for me, starting to see that no matter what business I was running, no matter what job I was in, it was always that that pushed me on to be happy and fulfilled in the work that I was doing. And that didn't mean that I'd go to work bouncing and skipping in every morning. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to pretend that I do that now. Some mornings I'm peeling myself up. My kids have been, you know, running right during the night. But more than ever, that purpose is gradually digging down to find those roots, the roots of you that have started to spread all the different skills on those roots. But you don't live as a tree on your own. You're in a forest. There's lots of other people's roots under there as well. They cross. You collaborate with more people than you generally believe. And your purpose can also be found through those collaborations with other people, as they will often have a vision of you that you don't always have of yourself. And just one thing that I suggest everyone do, once they've started to master some of the skills in You Coach You, you can then take it a step further and start supervising yourself as you coach yourself. And go into the third person and start to write your own scripts like you were writing the Coronation Street scripts because sometimes seeing yourself in third person, you actually start to see your purpose flowing as you navigate the world, almost like you're an actor in a soap opera. So we really hope you have got a bit of a feel for what those events were like and you've been inspired by some of the conversations that we had with people. We thought it was really important to try and bring to life some of those things and that we address in the book and I hope that that has done that for you. If you do want to hear more, so as we said, you can get the extended edits, you can get the links to those in the show notes and they'll be on our website, amazingif.com. Of course, if you want some support with any of those areas, that is what the book is there for. Each of the chapter has lots of ideas for actions lots of coach yourself questions you coach you is a book to design to help you support yourself so that you can overcome challenges that are sort of inevitable in our squiggly careers and take control as much as you can when it might feel like quite a lot is changing around you we know that coaching is one of the ways that you can take back a bit of control over your career 
So as always, we really appreciate you all listening and spending your precious time with us. We hope you found the episode useful and we'll be back again next week. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 